Um, but my senior year, I, re- I ran for and was elected Student Government Association president. And, and, and this gentleman, uh, Mr. Ken Coachman, he's, he's still at Miles College today, and he's a, a very dear friend. Mm-hmm. I remember the day he, that I won the election. We were talking, and he, he was my advisor. He said, Jeff, you're no longer one of the boys. You have a responsibility for every student out here. You're no longer one of the boys. And at the time, I, I, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to say, no, I'll always be one of the boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but again, life lesson. Right. You, you can't be a leader and sit around the campfire with the boys. You have to be a leader because you got to make sure that the campfire is going to be there not tonight but tomorrow and in the future and that everything is going to work well and you can't do that if you're sitting around the campfire you have to plan welcome to the turning points podcast with dr samuel jones this podcast was created and designed to highlight tools and strategies to help you succeed in work and life by creating turning points to enhance your aim. On the Turning Points Podcast, we go deep to heighten your awareness, awareness. enhance your imagination, imagination, and develop strategies to attack your mission. mission. And now, here's your host, Dr. Samuel Jones. Well, welcome to today's uh, podcast. I'm excited to have uh, Mr. Jeffrey Artis on the show. Of course, Jeff, better known than me, uh, Jeff is retired from the FBI after 30 years. He was a special agent. Um, he was also a part of the uh, Director's Special Agent Advisory Committee. He headed up the FBI Civil Rights Working Group. And um, the crisis. he was a crisis negotiator for 21 years. Uh, domestic and international deployments. And now Jeff is CEO of J Artist Consultant. Uh, Jeff has been married, uh, Miss Monica, for 30 years with two adult children. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Glad to have you, brother. Look, I'm excited to uh, to have a conversation with you about about uh, your life, your story, and what you're doing now. And uh, so let's kind of start there, man. Tell, tell me, tell us about your background, your family, where you was raised, where you grew up, and, and of course, that, uh, that, that, that college uh, athletic background that you have. <laughs> uh, I I grew up in uh, uh, the Millville community, which is outside of York, Alabama. Now, understand when I say the Millville community outside of York, York has two stoplights, and uh, <laughs> and we grew up outside of York. So, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I grew up in a family that did not have. A lot of um, money or or, or goods uh, or items. Uh, rural rural lifestyle. Um, you farm for yourself. Is a type um, community where when you finish your chores, you went. You were expected to go and uh, help the neighbors and not expect any compensation uh, for it. Four room house. Um, no running water out, uh, so you know uh, the outhouse water uh, uh, from the well uh, draw it up, and you know just just a simple simple life. But it was always uh, love in the house, always respect. Uh, you you learn to do things for yourself very early in life. Uh, you can, not dependent on others for uh, handouts or anything like that. So it, it was up early in the morning and oftentimes uh, working while the sun was up. I think it was what the saying, can to can't. That's work right. Work from the time you can see to you can't see. Uh, <laughs> That's right. You know, <laughs> uh, raised in church. Uh, my mom, one of her sayings, anytime you got up the phone or, or we departed, uh, don't forget to pray. You know, uh, she was, it was one of those Things you had, she always had a positive attitude. It wasn't maybe I want to. No, you have to. Right. Uh, no one else want to do it for you. Don't depend on someone else. It was those. Uh, if you earn it, no one can take it from you. But mm. if someone gives it to you, they control how long you have it, and you feel as if you're borrowing it. 
So go and earn your own. You know, it was truly God bless the child that has his own. Right. So it was, it was that attitude there. Um, high, high school over there, you know, the challenges of growing up in the 60s and 70s. Uh, you see the, the store boycotts. You, you see integration and all the things that went along with that. Uh, but, you know, you, you come across good people. Right. You know, in your life and outside of your family, you know, brothers and sisters, it, it, out, I'm the youngest, and it was always a lot more expected of me. Why? Because they had paved the way. Right. And, it, and and I was one of those determined individuals to always win. I hated, hated losing. I don't know if I, I, I hate losing more than I love winning. I think <laughs> I hate losing more. Uh, so that determination was there. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, it's one of those one of those things where I was in eighth grade playing uh, high school football because we didn't have the the little league the little league teams. It was you either played high school ball or you didn't. And so eighth grade I started, and you know one of my coaches, uh, Coach Patrick, he, it was make no excuse because I accept no excuse. In other words, you, you got to do your job. Don't worry about anyone else's. Do yours. And and and. Uh, you'll have more time to focus on your responsibilities. So, you know, go to college. I went to Miles College. I did pretty good. Well, back in high school, I did pretty good in high school as far as athletics. I, I didn't challenge myself as much as I should have academically. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately because um, I, I was I, I was kind of spoiled. Things would come easy, and I, I felt I could eat, I could do this. When I right. get it, I'll be able to accomplish it, as opposed to preparing myself for it. And I learned that later on in life. Uh, you know, um, you get named the captain of the football team your junior year, and, and you're the captain of the team your junior and senior year. And your brother was captain of the football team your sophomore year. So for three years in a row, you know, you, you, my mom, Andres, had the high school football team's captain there. So you kind of get used to things, and you kind of like people knowing your name. And you, as you walk down the halls of school or downtown, people call your name. And it, it got you know you kind of get the big head a little bit, and, right, and I don't right, need to do right. what actually you need to. And uh, those are life life lessons I didn't know at the time was that was going to play an important role in my life later on. Got to college, did pretty good um, athletically. Uh, Won some all-conference uh, all awards, both academically and athletically, in the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference at Miles College. Um, so, but my senior year, I, re- I ran for and was elected Student Government Association president. And, I, and, I, and this gentleman, uh, Mr. Ken Coachman, he's, he's still at Miles College today, and he's a, a very dear friend. Mm-hmm. I remember the day he, that I won the election. We were talking, he, he was my advisor, and he said, Jeff, you're no longer one of the boys. Hmm. You have a responsibility for every student out here. You're no longer one of the boys. And at the time, I, I, I didn't want to believe it. I didn't want to say, no, I'll always be one of the boys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but again, life lesson. Right. You, you can't be a leader and sit around the campfire with the boys. You have to be a leader. Because you got to make sure that the campfire is going to be there, not tonight, but tomorrow and in the future, and that everything is going to work well. And you can't do that if you're sitting around the campfire. You have to plan. And so, you know, those are, as a matter of fact, I met my wife. You, uh, you mentioned her in the opening uh, line, uh, Monica. Met her while I was at my She was, a, okay. she's, uh, was attending Fisk University, and we played basketball. Our teams were playing against each other, and she and I both kept the scores book for our respective team. Okay. And I knew right then, uh, this is a this is a woman. This is the marrying kind. This is not just a dating <laughs> type woman. And uh, I'm glad she thought the same of me, or she figured she could make me a marrying Right. <laughs> but you know, there's uh, so many things you you learn from. From your, uh, from I've learned from Monica the professionalism, the dedication to details. As a chemist, it, you you just can't not be dedicated to detail and be successful. Uh, the positive image, the importance of having a positive image, both inside, uh, outside the home as well as inside the home. Um, you know, and, and and how that 
reflects on our children that we um, that even today. And you know, we we both believe God, family, and all other things in, in that in that order. And, and you know, eventually I got on with the FBI. As far as the FBI, I literally started on the mail desk. I was a mail clerk, uh, picking up mail uh, and throughout the office and, and passing passing it and delivering it where it needed to go. But I want you to know that was my mail desk. I right. took responsibility for that mail desk. Nobody else knew the mail desk and all its functions better than I did. And with that, uh, other promotions came. But um, and, and that was uh, January 3rd, 1988, and uh, the FBI went on a hiring freeze for special agents for three plus years. And and thank goodness, in, uh, in 1994, I uh, had the opportunity and took advantage of it to go to Quantico, Virginia, to the training academy and learn uh, everything a special agent needs to be graduated. And they gave me a badge and, and credentials and said, uh, go forth young man and make us proud. And I think I did that for the next, uh, uh, until two, 2018, July 31st, 2018. So, 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 so Jeff, tell us about, you know, before you started working for the FBI, what was your, what was your perception about the FBI? And, and then of course, how did that begin to change? Or if it did change when you first started working? There? Wow. Uh, you know, I majored in political science at Miles College and I really wanted to be a politician. Really? That, that was my, that's why I thought I could make a difference. You, you know about the FBI, but that's for those people. Right. And whoever, whoever those people are, anybody other than you, uh, you just, it never really crossed my mind that I could be a special agent with the FBI. Now, mind you, I, a very confident young man, but right. I just never looked at the FBI as a career opportunity. Because that was not something that um, I saw in my community or in, in, in at college. It, an FBI agent, it just didn't exist. Uh, so uh, I didn't really have a, a positive or negative perception of the organization. When I had the opportunity, uh, I, I took advantage of it, and, you know, and uh, was more than happy when I, when I was was accepted. Now, what a funny story. Before I was working with the FBI, I was a manager at a pizza delivery place there in um, just outside of Birmingham in Hueytown. And when I uh, was being interviewed uh, for the FBI, uh, one of the person who was eventually become my supervisor, she was being strict on me. She was giving me the do's and the don'ts. You will work 40 hours a week. You will get here before 8.15 and you will not leave before 5. Lunch is 45 minutes, and, and she said, 40 hours means 40 hours per week. And being the person I am, I looked at her and said, that's all? So I can, <laughs> after I leave work, I can go and work my part-time job. Because as a, as a manager at the pizza delivery place, I was working about 75, 80 hours a week. Wow. So 40, <laughs> 40 hours, I was thinking, wow. And, and as I told you earlier, growing up uh, in Millville, can and can. Right. So eight hours a day seems almost like you're cheating. What, what am I going to do the rest of the day? <laughs> I need to find something to do. Uh, so that work ethic, and I, and I didn't realize can and can't as a young man growing up out, out in the Millville community, going to college, playing ball, and still being responsible for your academics. High school, playing ball, supposed to be responsible for your academics, and walking home five miles after practice, after games by yourself, you know, those, those things I didn't realize was preparing me at the time for the career with the FBI, because most of the days with the FBI was not eight to five. Right. Uh, right. And, and you, you were required to work 50 hours per week, uh, an average of 50 hours per week, and after 50 hours, there's no compensation. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you just get the job done. Goes back to what my mom said. When you earn it, nobody can take it from you. Mm. Coach Patrick said, no, make no excuse. Because I accept no excuse. Mr. Coachman said, you're no longer one of the boys. You're going to be a man. You're a leader. 
And you don't, as a leader, you don't complain about, well, it's 50 hours and, and I'm not getting paid. You know, the job needs to be done. Right. American people, the world, the world is counting on you to do your job. Hold up your end of the bargain. You're the link in the chain. Don't be the weak link. So all of those things prepared me for my career with the FBI in the life as a, as a husband and a father and a, and a neighbor, community leader. So, so Jeff, it's amazing how all of those things, you know, we, we all kind of take some time and do some reflecting. All those things kind of make us who we are today. So, so with, the, with, with the work that you're doing now with your consulting company, and I know you're working with uh, educational institutions and, and, and corporate institutions and government institutions, what is, what is the biggest roadblock that you see with the people in the organizations that you're working with now in this consulting role? Wow. I think the biggest the biggest roadblock is a change mindset. Uh, I'm working with uh, working with groups of people in law enforcement, uh, the private sector, in corporations, school districts. We've done it this way so long. Here's a new way of thinking, a new way of resolving issues. Uh, let's look at one, for example. Uh, I teach crisis intervention and de-escalation of situations. Mm-hmm. School, let's take school district for example. Oftentimes, when, because there's a lot more female uh, teachers there at the school, if someone is being disruptive, especially a young man or, 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 or multiple people, one of the first, first, first things you hear is, go get a coach. Right. Because usually coach is a male. The coach comes up, oftentimes, what do they want to use to de-escalate force? Well, mm-hmm. unaddressing, we have to look at what is driving that person. And it, it's not the incident itself, it's emotions. Right. And something is driving it, those emotions. It does not, most of the time, it's not that incident there. That incident is just what pushed that person over the edge. Right. So as opposed to addressing the emotions, and, uh, and I truly believe unaddressed emotions never die, those individuals, you stop what was happening for this moment, but you pushed it aside, and it's going to come back on someone else, just like it came back. It it manifested itself here. So, trying to get someone to give to pay for the services that you're offering, and they don't see how it, they don't understand it or see how or 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 are accepting. That was easy to say of a different way to resolve something. But then when you tell them this, this is, has, this has proven true throughout the world because we, we, we are addressing emotions and we're trying to uh, resolve long-term issues and concerns, not just immediate uh, stop the fight. No, let's, let's help this individual change their mind about fighting. So it is to me, it's, the change in how things are addressed. Okay. So, 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 so what, what do you say? And I think, I think I know the answer to this already, but I love to hear you frame it. So what do you say to all of these adults who are saying, you know, these, these kids today, you know, these, these young people today, they just, they, we, they, you know, they just, they just, you can't talk to them. You can't do this. You can't do that. What, what do you, what do you say to these adults out here? Who are who are coming up with all of these excuses as to how how our young people are so different and so whatever it is that that they feel like they can't relate to or can't talk to? What do you say to them? I, I remind them that uh, my great grandmother probably told my grandmother that said that about my great grandmother and my great grandmother my grandmother said that about my mom and my mom said it about me and others are gonna say it about it, it's because um, society changes but right. society stays the same. When, when you're uh, addressing the wrong symptom, you're not you're going to get that negative result. Address if when you when you understand that emotions drive, still drives an individual's actions. Whether it was we wanted you and I wanted to go down to the local arcade and play Miss Pac-Man or Gallagher. We wanted to go. It was our desire to go and do that for whatever reason, to show our friends, to be around our friends, whatever. Now, 
students, they're more into their own um, iPhones, their, their, their Android phones or computers, whatever, whether it's Snapchat uh, or Instagram, that's what they're into. We have to understand what is motivating our students, our, uh, I say students, our children, to do what they do, respond the way they respond. Whether it was it was a hundred years ago when everyone was on the farm and you went to church on Sunday, that was the time you met up with everybody. Right. Whether it was then, it, it's the same. I have a desire to be with or do with do what I want to do and what's a little different. You know, I can't do what my dad did because I want to be better than a different dad. Well, that's fine. We, we, I, am a true believer. Want my son and daughter to be better than me, achieve yeah. more than I do. But, but that means they have to do something different than I did, or do it, do a, a, take a different approach. And we just have to have communication, effective. Let me say this: effective communication, because communication can be bad communication where no one is really listening to the other. But it has to be effective communication to where I ask you, you respond, and I uh, share with you my views, my thoughts. You share your views, your thoughts. And I have to be willing to accept things that might hurt my feelings or that I might disagree with. But at least I have to be able to see it through your, through your eyes, through your shoes, uh, through your eyes, rather, stand in your shoes. And, and understand that we're different. We're different. So, so Jeff, that, that that is a that that is a great topic for us to kind of somewhat transition because I know you know I've been knowing you for a while and 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 knowing some of the work that you've done with civil rights working groups and things of that nature. So, can mm-hmm. you can you help the people out there who sometimes they see on the news and they hear, uh, you know, you have uh, bad cops or maybe some cops that that you know, do some behavior that sometimes all the ev- evidence and information is out to the public and mm-hmm. you know, these, these public mm-hmm. uproars about, you know, what happened and, and, and help us. So I know, I know you have done a lot of work in that area. So, so help us uh, understand how we can effectively communicate, you know, the frustrations of people, but also understand the respect of the process. And sometimes people, when, when people feel like the process is not fair, can you help us with that? Sure. Uh, we, what we, um, I like to say, and I share with groups, is life is tough. Right. Life is tough. Think about you on your job where you're sitting in an office environment and things just frustrate you to where you just want to just punch something or someone and, ooh, I can't take it anymore. Now, that same thing happened with law enforcement. Law enforcement, by its nature, it, the name has force in the name, in force, meant. Sometimes you have to use force in your job. You have to wear, put a gun on your hip, a taser, uh, a stick to perform your duties. Now, those officers get frustrated, angry also. But what the difference with their job is they cannot afford to make the mistakes that you could make. If you're in an office setting, you can get in a fist fight in an office. You're probably going to get fired. You might even get charged with assault. Law enforcement, if they lose their cool or they allow their emotions to take over their actions, they can actually injure or kill someone because they have the training to They have the weapons. Every fight an officer get in is a gunfight because they bring the gun. Right. They might not use it, but it's there. And also, if there's a fight, the officer probably didn't do something correctly. Right. Because you should never allow, as an officer, you should never allow someone to get up on you. Never. Because they could take your weapon. Then it also, it puts you in a position to have to defend yourself with your weapon. Now, a couple of things. I investigated uh, allegations of uh, civil rights violations, color of law, excessive force violations for about seven and a half years, close to eight years with the FBI. Mm -hmm. 
some of the frustration comes from uh, not knowing. I don't want to say ignorance, uh, although ignorance means you don't know. I don't want to use that phrase. It's not knowing. As a special agent with the FBI, when we're investigating a case for excessive force, we must prove three things we must prove on the Title 18 United States Code, subsection 242, is that the officer, they used excessive force, right? And that they, in, and that they, they used it, they intended to use, do what they did. We have to prove that that officer they um, that they uh, violated someone's constitutional rights and they acted under color of law. How, how do you how do you prove intent? This is what we have to prove that they willfully did this, that they intended to do this. We have to prove. Now I know you're thinking, wow, how do you prove that somebody intentionally right. uh, did this? This is what their intent was. I mean, how do you, well, we look at intent. What did the officer do or stay prior to? What did the officer do or stay during? And what did the officer do or stay afterwards? Hmm. Makes sense. Now, if the officer, if you can't prove intent, even with video, the officer pulled the weapon, shot an individual, Whatever, whatever means the was that they violated that individual, then you still, they have to, you, you can't indict them. The Department of Justice will not indict because you can't prove willfulness. Right. right. So was it an accident? Was that the intent? Oftentimes when emotions are high, individuals don't want to hear the rules. <laughs> if you can just think back to the days you playing, you were playing uh, ball. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that was some heated moments. You, I, at that moment, you didn't want to hear what the rules were. It's, right. Especially if it was a tight game and it was a loss. Coach, why did you call that play? That wasn't the right play to call. You didn't want to hear logic at that moment. And, and oftentimes, that is what happened, and I wish that both law enforcement and the community would just step back for a second and let the process play out. Now, that thing called trust. Mm-hmm. You, you can't expect someone to trust you in the heat of the moment when that trust hasn't been built all along. Right. You're right. So I, I, I teach... And I talked to law enforcement department how to build trust. It was, let's say, you prepare for war in time of peace. Mm-hmm. So I, I teach them how to build that trust with the community, not just having uh, a community meeting and say, and so you can document where well, we had community meetings and only five people showed up. Well, you have to go where these individuals are. You have to do different things. Your officers on the street must conduct themselves in a certain way. Uh, and and you, you have to provide proper training for your officers. You can't just hire someone and expect them to automatically know how to do things. It's constant training, constant teaching on how to be a good community officer. If done correctly, you probably won't have a lot of problems when an incident happens. You know, Jeff, that that is that is the fantastic analogy you just gave, because when you when you talked about, you know, me playing sports and and in the heat of a moment, a bad play, a bad call or whatever, and you don't want to listen to any logic. You're exactly right. But I can tell you what what forced me to move on to the next play. And and, and you're talking about uh, communities and law enforcement getting together and, and have that trust built. The trust is what really forced me to move on to the next play. And that's one thing I love about athletics is it trained me to constantly keep moving on to the next play, no matter how bad that call was or turnover or whatever. Uh, we had we had something in the system that would force you to, you know, the game would not allow you to continue to focus on that bad call or that turnover. It's, it's going to, and, and that's the way life feels. Life kind of forces you yeah. to, to move on to the next play. Yeah. 
if you dwell on the past on the last play, you're not going to give your best the next play because your your mind is still focusing on the outcome uh, of the last play, and that's life. If I if I'm um, concerning myself so much about yesterday and the things that happened five years ago, yeah, then I'm not giving a clear mind and an open slate of thoughts, opportunity for thoughts to come in for today or tomorrow. And you, I'm, I'm a firm believer. You have to, the things that I'm, I'm able to do today, the fruits of my labor from 20 years ago is responsible for today. The decisions I made to never use drugs, I've never, yeah. ever used drugs. Uh, it's funny, one, one year we was at a tailgate uh, down in a, at a professional football game with some friends, and a guy didn't know who I was. He didn't have a clue. <laughs> and he offered, he offered me the marijuana. Hey, bro, you want some? <laughs> and, and I was still with the FBI at the time, and I wanted to show him my, back, my credit so bad, but I did not just told him no. But what I did do, I went and told a mutual friend what happened, and I said, uh, he said, no, 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 let me have this. <laughs> so he went over and spoke to the young man, and that guy could not get out from over there quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the things you make put you in, in, in positions to, uh, to succeed in life later on. And, and, and if I could, just real quick, you, you mentioned the Civil Rights Working Group. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, it's, it's amazing how things prepare you for later in life. I've never judged people for who they are, where they, where they are, what they do. And I don't, I don't look at a person as being where they were or their position. And, right. and I, to the point that I stopped introducing myself as uh, Special Agent Jeffrey Arnis. I said, I'm, my name is Jeffrey Arnis, and I'm currently employed with the FBI as a Special Agent. And that's because that's not who I am. That's what I do. Right. Um, some members of the, of the Civil Rights Working Group, the NAACP, the, the ACLU, uh, Catholic Charities, and a number of other uh, uh, organizations. And when you, t- when you tell some of the people at headquarters, it was funny because Jennifer Riley Collins, who's running for Attorney General now, was heading up the ACLU. And I was, and we would tell them you know, about the uh, Civil Rights Working Group. And they would say, oh, the ACLU is, is, with, is part of it? I said, no, no. Jennifer Riley Collins is a part of it, and she's the director of the ACLU. Look at the human as the human, not the name or the letters. And it was the same with the NAACP. I can't tell you how many times in the beginning of the Civil Rights Working Group, it was not a very pleasant experience most of the time for everybody involved. Some people didn't understand. I, I knew the, the the lack of trust from the from the community for the FBI. I knew that, but what I saw was individuals and opportunities for me to build relationships and friendships that I knew would last much longer than my career, and it has. Eventually, the, our civil rights the civil rights working group out of Jackson uh, FBI was a model for working groups around the country where individuals would come from around other field offices all over the country to Jackson to see what we were doing and how we did it and went back to uh, mimic our, um, our program. And it, it all comes down to respecting people, seeing, seeing things through their eyes, understanding that there are differences, but don't focus on the differences. Don't forget them, but work together. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. It's a common goal. Well, that's that. That's fantastic, Jeff, and and I love the work that you're doing. And the first time you and I connected, and I started learning about your background, and you learned about mine, I said, "I want to make sure I keep this guy uh, in my network and, and and use and use my platform to help support all the things that he's doing because mm-hmm. you're doing some very important work, and and I think you have a lot of knowledge and experience that people can learn from. So, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Okay, it, 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 could I? Uh, I would like to just add a couple of things if sure. you don't mind. Sure. Uh, just what, 
I served as a crisis negotiator with the FBI for 21 years. And, and with that came a lot of experiences and some things that I wish I hadn't, uh, hadn't experienced. But again, a learning, learning opportunity uh, from then. And now that's one of the things that I offer. I still get calls from um, individuals that I, that I provided training to during that 21 years, and they'll ask, what do you think about this? They're at a deployment or a crisis at that moment, whether it's an individual contemplating suicide, a barricaded subject in the house, a hostage situation, uh, they are a domestic situation gone bad that they are, they are responding to. And they'll call us, Jeff, what do you think about this? And I, I still give advice. I, I say, have you thought about it? I don't tell them what to do because I don't want to be uh, liable for any actions. Have you thought about this? Okay, uh, focus on this. Look at focusing on this, consider this. But I offer uh, my company, JRS Consulting, we offer classes in, for law enforcement and crisis negotiation, both refresher and introductory courses. We provide team training. If your team, uh, oftentimes, they don't know how to train. Uh, we hold training, we do this, but are you really learning? Are you preparing yourself for that crisis? Whether you're a manager looking to manage a, how do I manage a crisis, uh, how do I handle the media? How do I address uh, personnel issues? Uh, just basic supplies and emotional control of everyone. You know, sometimes and then, uh, things happen. Mass murder, law enforcement officers get killed. You still have to do your job. Right. Your responsibilities do, do not change. And oftentimes, uh, that has to be, rem- people have to be reminded of that in those decision making positions. You know, don't allow uh, your emotions to dictate what you do. Because six weeks from now, when, when all the dust is settled, your emotions have returned to normal, guess what? You're going to have to answer those questions. Right. Why did you do what you did? What caused you to do that? So, but those are, those are some of the things. As well as cultural diversity, I usually teach the color of law and cultural diversity together. Because if you understand why a person is doing what they're doing and understand their background culturally, it's kind of difficult to mistreat them. Right. Or treat them wrong. And I know why this person is doing what they're doing. And the community engagement part of what we do, again, if there is an incident, uh, I, I, I work with law enforcement and or uh, civic social groups to um, help provide information and how to take what necessary steps to accomplish uh, the goals they want as far as, uh, for example, when um, uh, the incidents have happened around the country, I've, I've gotten uh, phone calls. Uh, I'm not just—I'm not going to name any particular ones, but it, they made the news for many a days. Right, right. Jeff, what are you guys doing down there to have a positive relationship with with all these uh, uh, minority groups? And I was surprised that anyone that really knew that we were doing these things, but obviously others were talking and uh, speaking positively about, positively about what we were doing with the Civil Rights Working Group and how we worked, not just when we were meeting, but we worked together on a regular and consistent basis. So we, we provided um, information on that on several of the things that were put into place after those incidents are uh, uh, still being implemented today. And, there's a positive relationship between the community uh, leaders, community members, and law enforcement. Well, that's great work, brother. That is great work. Mm-hmm. Man, listen, I- I'm excited for, for you and, mm-hmm. and Monica and the work that you're doing with J Artist Consulting. And and I really hope that that's, that there's some people out there listening to this will, their, their organization will highly consider bringing you guys in and, and helping them uh, not just not just be prepared for any crisis, but, but to learn how to work through the minor crises that, that people are having every, each and every day in, in, in the workplace. Uh, because it doesn't exactly. always have to, have to get to, to the point where no one really wants to make the news. But if you can, if you can just put those practice habits in 
to um, to making sure people are prepared and they and they can have the strategies to work through any minor crisis that they have, they'll be better prepared. You're absolutely right. If you if you look back at all the job sites, uh, workplace shootings, there were indications. Right. There were indications. Can you stop someone from doing things? No. But if you know what to look for, you know how to treat people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, now some people, some, some individuals are just going to do what they do. There's no two ways about it. They're going to do what they do. But oftentimes you can prevent incidents based on just paying attention and, and understanding and communi- effective communication. You can avoid a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I tell you what, brother, you have, uh, you have made us uh, better just because of you shared the information and you had definitely made me a better man just because of my relationship <laughs> with you. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward Bye. to continuing learning from you, brother. Well, the same here, uh, uh, Doctor. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship, and I appreciate all the opportunities that uh, you've helped uh, helped me with. Excellent, excellent. Now, listen before I before I let you get off this podcast. You know, I have five mm-hmm. questions that I need to ask you, and um, sure. and these are just going to be some things to kind of help us learn a little bit more about you and and um, and and see if we can we can definitely identify with some things that, that you may identify with. So the first question is, if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? <laughs> if I could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think uh, it would be mind reading. Mind reading. I, I, would, I would love to read uh, individuals' minds uh, so I would be able to help them avoid uh, unnecessary pitfalls. If uh, I, I, I want to do this, no, don't, don't uh, walk up to it. Uh, don't, don't, don't do that. That's not the right thing to do. I love that. I love that. All right. Uh, if you have a billboard with anything on it, what would it say and why? If I had a billboard, yep. what, would it, what would it say and why? It's a good question, Doc. Uh, I probably use one of the, my mom's phrase. Don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. I love that, brother. I love that. Listen, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, we may need to put that on a billboard. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, sometimes life can get so challenges and, and challenging, and, and sometimes you can forget to pray. So I love that. Don't forget. Don't forget to pray. <laughs> Didn't say who to pray to? Because that's your option. But she always says, don't forget to pray. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Question number three. If you could watch a movie over and over again, what would it be and why? <laughs> oh, that's easy. Anybody in my family could tell you the movie that I watched over and over and over and I know all the lines is Blazing Saddles. <laughs> really? <laughs> and the reason why is they make light of everybody. There's no one spared. And that, to me, that is life, but nobody really gets upset. And at the end of the day, guess what? Everybody puts their emotions and their little feelings, hurt feelings aside, and they work together for the common good, and they come out on top. To me, that's life. If I we agree. can just... It, it, now, the movie, it, it, some people, if, you, if you're kind of sensitive, it's not for you. But if you look past, it's just, and to me, just like like If you look past what somebody is saying right now, let's look at down the road, two weeks, three weeks, four years from now, five years from now, we might have to work together for right. a common good. That's right. Uh, and and hint, maybe somebody in Washington, uh, the R's and the D's. <laughs> I would agree. I, I would totally yeah. agree. I would totally agree. And listen, I'm going to have to go back and watch that one. I don't think I've ever seen it, but uh, I have seen the, uh, I've seen the characters that's in it, the cast that's in it. And uh, even the, uh, even the storyline. So I'm going to go back and watch that. And and I love what you're saying because you're exactly right. We're going to have to learn how to work with each other and more importantly, embrace each other's differences and not make those things. Look for the things. Exactly. All right. Question number four. So what song do you, do you constantly play on repeat? Whenever you're driving and you feel like, you know what, I'm on top of the world right now, life is good. What what song is that for you? Uh, Prince Controversy. Prince Controversy. <laughs> really? Yes. yes. 
Absolutely love the song. I did not. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, you think about it. Everybody is saying things. Am I black? Am I white? Am I straight? Am I gay? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I love it. it, it I mean, we, we, we're again. I, I try to simplify things. Mm-hmm. When you when you break things down and you understand the root of it, it's, it's re- relatively simple. You give value to the things that uh, that you want to, and when that, when something goes against your value, that's when your emotions. Oftentimes, if you're not careful, that's when your emotions will uh, step forward. Right. Uh, so, but you know, with controversy. What, what? Hey, I, I know there's a lot more to the song, but I I hear different things in it other than just just the words. You listen to. I listened to good tunes. He presses, uh, he was a genius to me yes. as far as music, musically. But listen at the, I listened to the words of, of those songs. And, and when you look at his, his the life story as far as what's been told to us, uh, he, was, he, he went through a lot. Yeah, he did. And so you, you just, you, people give you titles, people give you names, and that's not necessarily who you are. That's just who they see or what the outside they see, and if you allow it to get to you, you can lose your identity trying to satisfy others. Well, don't get caught up in the controversy. Just be who you are and do what you do. Man, I think we are brothers from another mother. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness, because, listen, Prince is one of my favorite artists as well, and and just his music and his just his personality and his style of, you know what, I am who I am, and, hey, accept me for who I am. So I love that about him. I love that. So, Mm -hmm. hey, hey, man, I learned some other things about you today. All right, last one, last one. What makes you feel inspired? What makes you feel inspired? Ooh. What makes me feel inspired is just knowing that there's so many things out that can be accomplished in this world. There are no limits. For so many years, uh, the F- working uh, with the FBI, you're limited to what you can do and where you can go and you know things that you can be a part of. And now it's, it's like that. That, that new pony has been let loose in the metals and saying, go. And so, <laughs> with all of the training, uh, the skill set, the experiences that I've uh, been able to acquire uh, over my 30-year career with the FBI and just in life in general before the Bureau, I'm inspired by opportunities to help not just myself but other people. I'm constantly having conversations with others uh, like you and I have. Uh, at times about what, what's out there, what to be done, what can we do, how can we help ourselves, how can we help the community, how do we help others. And, and I want that, uh, you know, that it, 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 and I know you heard this from your family also. Remember your last name and make us proud. Yeah. At the end of the day, is what you did for others that others are gonna, going to remember, not what you did for yourself, not what you... Uh, you know what you brought into your home another television another car right it, all of that it, it doesn't matter right uh, so i, I it's, what inspires me is the opportunity to help others succeed while succeeding myself i agree i agree that's all of my wife that's it <laughs> you better spoil her <laughs> that's right that's right well, Jeff, man, look, I tell you what, it, it's been an honor. It's been an honor having you on the show. And and I know so many people out there have gotten so much from, from just this conversation. And um, and I know there's some other projects that I'm going to be working on that you're going to be a part of as well. And um, so listen, as we as I close out the, uh, the podcast today, I'm going to play. We're going to go out on prince's controversy because i love prince and i love that song and and you said you mentioned that there is a message in it so we're going to play that as we go out but as we're going out i want to give you the uh the platform to just kind of share we're going to let you have the parting words okay uh again uh, thank you for the opportunity uh even if anyone out there wants to get in contact with uh, me please my name is again jeffrey j-e-f-f-e-r-y last name is a-r-t-i-s with j artist consulting 
my email address, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, at J-Artist, that's the letter J, A-R-T-I-S, consulting.com. Jeffrey at jartistconsulting.com, or you can call me. Uh, uh, my phone number is on the website, 601-760-0197. Uh, feel free to reach out uh, to us. And again, thanks for the opportunity, and I look forward to working uh, with um, the community. Jeff, again, thank you, brother. And uh, we appreciate everybody out there. And and uh, please look up Jeff's information and uh, make sure you connect with him. So until next show, we'll see you later. See you.